thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We're taking this summer, we're walking through the book of James. And I want to encourage you, as we walk through the summer, I want you to read the book of James, walk through it line by line. But here's something you have to do. When you read the book of James, you must read it with the gospel as the filter of what's going on. James understood what Jesus was doing. James understood the heart and the passion of Jesus. James witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what's very interesting about the book of James is that James was the half-brother of Jesus. What that means is James and Jesus grew up in the same household. Also what that means is, is that Mary, when she conceived Jesus, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so Mary was a virgin that's very important. It's very essential that we understand that, that Jesus was fully man and fully God. But then after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph continued to have a normal family. They had more children. And so James and Jesus grew up in the same household. And because they grew up in the same household, James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until Jesus' resurrection. As you can understand, as we said last week, it would be very hard to convince one of your siblings that you are the God of the universe. It's just difficult. But after Jesus walked the earth, after Jesus healed the sick, after Jesus set the demonic possessed people free, after Jesus was crucified, he rose from the dead. It was then that James put his faith in Jesus Christ. It's then he said, Jesus, I will follow you. And when James opens up this book, when he writes in the, in the first opening of the book that he's writing to Christians who have been persecuted, they've been scattered across the world because they were passionately loving Jesus and people were wanting to hunt them down and kill them and so they were running for their lives. James is writing them a letter to encourage them. He was writing to Christians who were scattered throughout the Middle East. And when James opens up his letter, this is what I love and what he says. He said, I am James. I am a slave to God and a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we get into this book today, what we're going to encounter is that it provokes a response. James is the, is the guy who draws a line in the sand. That's why we call the series A Line in the Sand. It means it, you can't, there's no guessing what James is thinking. Out of 100 verses, out of 100 verses in the book of James, James gives 50 commands for Christians to follow and to live. That's a lot. And so we're going to begin to walk through some of this. But what I love about these words, when I read these words of James, just like I would read the words of a great general or a great missionary or general in God, what I was meaning, or a great pastor, there's something about their words that just caused me to want to live a life like them. Have you guys ever experienced that? Hopefully, as you encounter my life, I inspire you to live more like Jesus. Hopefully, as, as I encounter your life, you inspire me to live more like Jesus. But when I hear these words of James, that I am a slave to God, I am a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want my life to look like that. But also, because in the response of that, I realize there are areas of my life that need to be changed. Anyone here have any areas of your life that need to be changed? Okay, good. All right. But I also realize this. 
I cannot make the change without the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot make the change without knowing that it was by Jesus and through Jesus and only because of Jesus that I can make any commitment to say I'm going to live my life in a greater way. So Jesus, won't you help me? So as we read this today, this is what James is talking about. And so I want to talk to you about this understanding of walking a life of obedience or walking in obedience. We are on a journey, you and I. We, we haven't arrived yet, but we're on a journey. And a life of obedience is a process. I want you to say a process. It is not a, 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 a little wand on top of the head that says, now you're going to be obedient. I wish, but it's not that way. It is a process that as we walk with Jesus, things are transformed and changed. It's the process that as we know we are walking with Jesus, we're also walking with the loving kindness of a father who calls you. He knows you by name. He has a destiny for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He, Jesus came into the world not to condemn you, but to save you. And it's for us to understand that this morning. That he's leading you on a journey. That he wants to refine you day after day after day. This is what I do know. There are a lot of things I don't know. Everyone says amen. There's, there's one thing I do know. Is that life in, on this side of the grave, I will never come into perfect obedience. I won't. I will always make a mistake. I will always, oh, I wish I would have responded that way. Oh, I wish I hadn't have, have given in to that. I will, I will not walk in perfect obedience until I step into the grave. And the moment you step into the grave, it says that you are present with the Lord. And that's when we will live the perfect life of obedience when we are in heaven. But we are on a journey. We're on a journey that as followers of Jesus, he calls us to a standard. And that's the whole life of James. He's calling the church to a standard. So as we get into this message today, I want you to remember three things. I am on a journey. Say that with me. I am on a journey. I have not arrived yet. Go ahead. And God is walking with me. Say that. God is walking with me. He is committed to your journey. He's committed to your journey of becoming like his son, Jesus Christ. So I want to look at how do we respond to the word of God. Last week we looked at how do we respond to trials and temptation. But this week we're looking into the book of James. How do we respond to the word of God? This passage today that we're going to be reading, it's all about the Word of God. So we're going to be weaving and, and emphasizing some things. But we hold in our hands the ability to read the written, inspired words from God himself. People search their whole lives. How, what do I do with my life? How do I live my life? I'll tell you, read the Bible and you will find the joy that you're seeking. You will find the purpose that you're seeking because they are written from our creator. And you will never know your purpose or your destiny until you go to the person who created you. And that is God himself. He loves you and he calls you by name this morning. You know, the reality is this. To know God's word and to make decisions off of God's word are two totally different things. Two totally different things. And we're going to be looking at what that looks like in our lives. And, and I want you just to turn to someone just right now, just out of the greatest love of your heart, and just say, don't worry, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Go ahead and tell them. <laughs> the book of James makes you feel uncomfortable. 
Someone made a joke as we named this James a line in the sand. Someone made the joke, wouldn't it be better to say James sand in my trunks? Wouldn't that? <laughs> it's uncomfortable. So according to this passage which we're about to read, the first thing is this. How do we come to the word of God? Remember everything today is all about the word of God, how we respond to it. The first thing we find is this, we humbly come to and receive the word of God. We humbly come to and receive the word of God. Let's get into the passage and then we'll, we'll look deeper into this. Starting James chapter 1 verse 19, we're going to read through 21. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Say quick to listen. So remember, these statements are all about the Word of God. So you need to be quick to listen when you come to the Word of God. Slow to speak. Say slow to speak when coming to the Word of God. And slow to become anger. Say slow to anger. Again, when coming to the Word of God. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly, this is where we got a first point, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. In this first verse, James is talking to Christians. And he says this, when you come to the word of God, hurry up and listen. In other words, take note. Hurry up, open your ears, and listen to it. Listen to it. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where, where you're talking to them and you can see all over their face that they're not listening to you? <laughs> this is what James is talking about. I think some of us are actually, not only are they not listening to you, that you know that they're thinking about what they're going to say in response to what you're saying. They're not quick to listen. They're what? Quick to speak. And this is what James is talking about. I think many of us come to the Word of God that very same way. The same way we have conversations. We come talking. We come formulating ideas instead of listening, instead of letting the text speak to us. And we come with our agenda to say, Lord, how can I get, get you to line up with my agenda? And say, instead of saying, God, what do you want for my life? What agenda do you want for me? Or another thing that we do with the Word of God is we try to use it to justify our position. Because we had a conversation with someone and maybe we didn't agree with them. And so we come to the Word of God to prove them wrong and to prove us right. We come talking, thinking instead of listening. We use the Word of God as, as, as how we prove ourselves right and prove people wrong instead of coming to it humbly and saying, I submit totally to it and I respond to it with whatever it says, I will respond. James is telling us, don't do that. When you come to God's Word, you need to be quick to listen. And when you look through history of God's people, all throughout either Israel, all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the church today, you will find God's people who resist the Word of God. They resist it. They have been guilty of resisting God's Word. 
Because they come talking instead of listening. The Old Testament has prophets. One of the prophets, his name was Jeremiah. This is very interesting about Jeremiah. He, he, was, called, he was called the weeping prophet. And I, and I think he was the weeping prophet because no one ever listened to the poor guy. He would proclaim the word of God. He was supposed to be in the mouthpiece to speak to Israel and to the tribe, or to speak to Judah and tell Judah, listen, don't worship false gods. Give your whole heart to God. Don't follow other gods. Follow the Lord's commands. And he told them all the time, but if, if you worship false gods, if you don't give your lives to God, you're going to be led away into captivity. He told them for 50 years. Can you imagine walking around for 50 years and he had zero converts? He would not get very good missionary support. His productivity is really low. For 50 years, he declared the word of God, the truth of God, and zero people listened to him. So guess what happened after the 50 years? He sat back and he watched God's people being led away into captivity just like he had said. Paul was the same way. Paul declared the word of God. He, he stood up and he spoke the truth. And he was in the synagogues preaching one time and telling them that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, that Jesus came. And they didn't like it. And so as he was proclaiming the word of God, they got crazy, crazy-eyed and frothy at the mouth. And they drugged the guy outside. They stoned him. They thought he was dead. And they drug him outside the city. Jesus loved people, served people. Healed the sick, declared the truth of God's word, declared the truth and love of his heavenly father that was manifested through him, and that people hated him for it. And they were angry. And they killed him. I mean, just hearing of people who declared the word of God and what happened to them is enough for someone to say, I don't think I want to be a preacher. No thanks. Because it was always resisted. And here's James talking to us. In verse 19, he says, be quick to listen. So many of us have voices that are trying to influence us. They're trying to convince us of what is right. I'm telling you, you need to know something today, my friends, is that you are in a fight for your mind. You are in a battle for your mind. So many different images and messages that you receive all the time in your mind that, is, that will become the filter in which you make decisions through. It's coming after you. And these voices that try to tell you what is right, what is wrong, what matters, what doesn't matter, what matters in Scripture, what doesn't matter in Scripture, what Scripture says, ah, Scripture actually didn't mean to say that. It meant the exact opposite of actually what it said. We have so many influences in our life, and over time, the world can rub off on us. Have you ever been in those situations where you're maybe you're with some colleagues at work, or you go to a business meeting, or you, you have to travel with some other business folks, and, and you're just around it, and once you get away from it, you just feel nasty? You ever felt that way? Or you're around a particular person, you're around a particular situation, and you just feel dirty? It just something, it just rubs off on you? Verse 21 out of the book of James says, when we come to the word of God, we need to get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. Notice he's mentioning that is so prevalent in the world in which we live. He's not calling Christians 
evil. Remember, he's writing this book to Christians, just like you and me, in churches, just like you and I are. And he's telling them, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. How many here would agree that evil is increasing in our world? I think we would all say that. You just, I mean, within a moment, with the, the access to evil on our phones, to computers, and, and how it has degraded our society in any conversation, it is evil. It's around us, the moral filth that we have to deal with. That's why the world needs Jesus. doesn't mean we run from him. It means we are the light in the midst of darkness. But he's saying that filth and that evil can rub off on you. James is not saying you are evil. He's not saying the, the Christians are evil. He's saying you need to get rid of the evil and the moral filth. And this word, to get rid of, is, is a word that would be used if someone was like throwing off a garment. Throwing off a garment. It's, it's the, the world's ideas, the world's and how we process. It's what the world has told us is true. And we have to wrestle with that and it gets on us and we need to throw it off. That's what James is saying. And what happens is if we don't throw it off, if we don't throw the moral filth off, it becomes the filter in which we read Scripture by. So as we read it, all of a sudden there's another influence in our spirits and our minds that are causing us to read Scripture and interpret it the, the way in which we process through the filter. You guys with me? Does that make sense? And that's what James is talking about here. So when we, come, when we come to the Word of God, you need to know the Word of God thinks totally differently than how the world thinks. James is encouraging these Christians, listen. Listen up to me. Listen to the Word of God. Throw off all those other influences in your mind. And in your heart and the people you've been around, you love them, you serve them. That's your calling to reach them. But don't let the moral filth rub off on you that it affects how you see the truth of God's word. So when we come to the word of God, we need to come humbly. It's about fixing our eyes and ourselves on Jesus and receiving from him. To know this, he can cleanse us from whatever it is that we've picked up in the world. I don't know if you've grew up or, um, with this or not, but I grew up with a, with a, a mud room. You ever, anyone else grew up with a mud room in the house? You grew up with a mud room. When you come in, and listen, because I kind of lived on a little farm, sometimes the mud room was very important because I got to get that stuff off of me. And so I'd come into the mud room, and before I could come into the house, before I could interact with the things in the house, I had to get rid of what I just picked up in the barn. Does that make sense? Because if I didn't, for one, my mom would, make, would like drag me back outside when I was a young kid. And even if that meant I had to do a little streaking, it's just what it was. <laughs> uh -uh, you uh, get back to the mudroom and get rid of it. Don't come into this house and contaminate the house of what it was designed to be. Don't take that filth and apply it to something that isn't supposed to be filthy. And that's what James is talking about here. That's what James is, is trying to, to, to understand and get the church to understand. When you come to the Word of God, he's saying, listen, don't come to the Word of God to prove your point or to disprove someone else or to justify why it's okay for me to do something. 
Don't come to the Word of God to try to find a loophole of, of, of how you can continue in the lifestyle that you're living. He's saying this, I, you need to come to the Word of God and humbly come submitted to the truth of who you are. Come submitted to the truth of who God has called you to be. And continue to move and to live your life the way that Scripture defines for us to live. And I think for all of us as we come to this summer with James, my desire is at the end of the summer we would make a decision that we are no compromise in my life. That we're going to be a church that shines brightly, not because we're perfect, but because we recognize the authority of God's word and that he is the center of all that we say and all that we do. And that when we mess up, we rely on his love and his grace. The second question that James answers here is this, how do we listen to the word of God? He says, be quick to listen, but also he goes on in this next verse to talk about something else, about intently looking at it. And so number two, we constantly remember the word of God. We make it a part of our lives. James 1, through 24 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. That's a very, that's a very crucial point. If you are just listening to the word, you are just, you were deceiving yourself. Because then he goes on to say, you need to do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his or her face in a mirror and after looking at himself or herself, goes away and immediately forgets about what they look like. So it's important to remember again that James is talking to Christians. He's writing to churches. People who are Christian, not people who say, I'm not a Christian. He's writing to people who say, I am a Christian. I do follow Jesus. They've given their lives to Jesus. They love God. But there are areas of their lives that James is saying that they have been deceived in. So there's this burden with James as he's writing the church. As people in these churches, he knows they're deceived. He knows that they have, they've adopted some things that they shouldn't have. They say that they would agree with what's being preached in the churches. They come to church gatherings. They nod their heads about, yes, amen. They sing the songs, but he's saying their life is filled with bad fruit. Their lives do not have obedience and humility. Even though they would agree with what's being preached and say, yes, that is the way a Christian should live their life. They are continuing to live differently. So let me ask you guys this question. If this can be possible just a few years after Jesus walked the earth, you have an eyewitness leading the churches, that people would be deceived, people would be hearing the word and not doing the word, do you think it's possible 2,000 years after Jesus walked the earth to be in the church? As I was wrestling with this this week, I'm really praying over these messages because, because I, I, I want us to go to another level as a church. I want us to go to a place that, that God is completely honored and glorified in everything that happens here. Every word that's spoken, every song that's sung, every gathering that you and I have together. I just, I just want them to be pleased. But as I was thinking, if if I was to look at the church, just not our church, but the church, 
And I would say that deception is still taking place today, meaning people read the word, but they don't do the word. People agree with what is being said and say amen, but then they walk away and do the opposite of what they just amened. People look into a mirror and see what they should be. They see what they should act like. They see what they should look like. And they walk away and forget and live the opposite way. This is what James is talking about. So as I was thinking through this, I thought, what are some of like uh, very common things in the church? And I think I'll just read a few of them. It's not an exhaustive list. But I would say that people in the church today would agree that getting drunk is a sin. They would agree with it. Amen. Nod their heads to it. And yet, they would still get drunk. People would agree that sex before marriage or sex outside of marriage is a sin. They would agree with it. They would amen it. But they would still have sex outside of marriage or justify sex outside of marriage. They would agree that gossip is a sin, yet continue to talk about others and slander others and gossip. They would agree Christians should be generous, and yet they would still live self-centered lives. They would agree that serving the poor and the widows and the orphans is, is true religion, but they would never do anything to serve the poor, the widows, or the orphans. They would agree that pornography is a sin, but they would justify it in their life as the norm or okay, or it's just a part of culture. They would agree that giving financially to the church is what the Scripture teaches. They would agree with that, but yet they would not respond to that and do it. This is what James is challenging us today. A lot of us, we get the word. We listen to great sermons and podcasts and worship Jesus and love Jesus. But what James is saying, hearing is only a part of it. It's not the whole thing. Sometimes when we hear the word of God, God calls out a challenge to us. Just like maybe some of you here today are feeling that challenge in your life. And we see it as that's God's preference for my life. We would agree with that. It would even be your preference for your life. But we see it, one is it's God's preference, it's not really a command. And we would see it as our preference, but it's not really a conviction. A conviction means I'm not having it. I'm not having it. I'm not having it in my life. It's kind of like, I know, I know someone who has a conviction. He's a pastor from Louisiana. He has a conviction. He will not have broccoli. Doesn't matter. He's Cajun, and if someone serves him broccoli, he says, I don't want the broccoli. They said, no, it, I smothered it in cheese. I don't give a rip what you did with it. Get it out of here. I don't want broccoli. It's his conviction. He's not having it. God's preference for you is a command, and his, his desire is that it becomes our conviction. We're not having it. We, are, we, have, we want what God wants and nothing else. And to be like this regarding the Word of God, where it's a preference, not a conviction, we think it's God's preference, not a, not a command, is what James 
calls in this scripture being deceived. It means that we're deceived. That we can hear the word, we can nod to it, we can high five to it, we can say amen to it. We can read the word, agree with it, walk away, and do the opposite of what we, that which we just amen to. James says, you're deceived. And here's the problem with the deception. Is that you don't know when you're deceived. Because you're deceived. And James is talking to the church because he wants the church to begin to walk into the purposes of which God has called her to walk in. Again, this whole book of James, you must read it through the filter of the gospel. James knows the only reason and the only way that we can live out obedience to Jesus Christ is to look to the one who lived the perfect life in the first place. This isn't a message to say, to say well, then try harder. No, it is not. The gospel isn't about trying harder. It's about fixing your eyes on the one who paid it all for you. The one who died in your place. The one who lived the perfect life. The one who rose from the dead. Not that you would sit here today and feel condemned. If you feel convicted of the Holy Spirit, then praise God. It means you're a child of his. The Lord disciplines those that he loves. It's a very difficult thing to to sit and, and to process and to know that you're in sin but not feel bad about it. I would question where your soul is today. I know that's a pretty heavy word, but it's just the reality that, man, when I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I think, thank you, God, that you love me enough to swap me on the rear end. How many are grateful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit? All right, good. It's important. It's out of love. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't convict you to condemn you. He convicts you to change you. Because he loves us so much that he won't allow us to stay the same of where we are. It's deception sometimes when we can read the word and walk away. It's much like a, a beautiful young lady who, who would struggle with anorexia. Who she'd look in the mirror and she'd weigh 75 pounds and she, if she thought, if I could just lose five more pounds. What she sees in the mirror. And everyone else actually around her says, no, sweetheart, don't do that. No, that's not the way. But she walks away and doesn't really see what she saw in the mirror. She sees something else in her mind. God wants us to read his word and to remember what we should look like. Then he wants us to trust in his grace that he can help us to look that way. He can help us to live that out. He's not not after outward performance. He's, He's after inward transformation. He's not worried about getting, crossing all the the T's and dotting all your I's and you doing that. He's worried about possessing your heart fully. And then out of a heart that's possessed by Jesus will manifest the fruit of which we're talking about today. And we're living in a day and age when we're constantly confronted by these things and messages. And we need to be in the word of God in order for it to transform us and to change us. And the word of God is our compass for life. It's what sets our trajectory. I came across these four tips, actually, from a pastor 
He's part of this ministry that's called Your Time of Grace. His name is Mike Novotny. And, he, and I saw these a couple years ago, and I just re- was reminded of them, that as we're looking at, at this, uh, this passage of Scripture, we need to understand how we come to the Word of God. It's very important. Four tips on how we come to the Word of God. One is we need to meditate before media. Meditate before media. Depending if you're a morning person, an evening person. If you're, if you're an evening person, you come home, you eat dinner. Before you go and turn on the TV, listen, sit down, read the Word. Get it in your life. If you're a morning person, don't get on Facebook and watch 3,000 Facebook videos and skip through all of them and then realize, oh my gosh, 20 minutes has gone by. Don't do that. Get up and meditate. Meet with the Lord. Read the Word. Get it in your heart. Get it in your spirit. Secondly, he says this, and I think it's true. He says, go old school. All the old school people say amen. Go old school, meaning this. I, I, I appreciate having the Bible on my phone, and I use it a lot, and I read it a lot. But if I'm having my time with the Lord, what's, what's important is I could be reading it, and then I'll get a text. And I'll be like, oh, what's that text? And then I'll, go, then I'll respond to that text. And then by the time I get my heart and my mind wrapped back around to where I was, it's too late. It's like 15 minutes. Or a news, a little news thing alert comes up, and I'm like, oh, what's happening in Russia? And you click that, and you look at that, and then you're like, oh, my gosh. And it's gone. Your time is gone. So go, go old school. That would be my encouragement to you as well. Go old school. In other words, take your Bible, go to a quiet place, meet with Jesus. Let the Word speak to you. Take small bites as well. Listen, don't set on this quest. I'm going to read 12 chapters a day. Listen, read one chapter a day. Read one section of, of Scripture a day. Let it wash your mind. Let it cleanse you. Let that be your mirror. Remember, we're looking into a mirror. And lastly is this, which sounds really strange. Remember Chinese bamboo. <laughs> Very interesting about Chinese bamboo. Chinese bamboo actually spends four years putting down roots before you ever see anything above the surface. Four years. But in the fifth year, after it's put down roots, it can grow up to 90 feet in 30 days. Crazy. And there are seasons of reading Scripture that it feels like nothing's happening. You wish more was going on. You, you, you wish you weren't falling into, this, into the same um, temptation over and over again. And you, you, you wish you just seem to be forgetting about what you read. And, and it just doesn't feel like it's happening. But what you don't realize is that your roots are going deep. And God is doing something in your life. And God does not want you to miss out on the incredible growth for your life that is just right around the corner. It's just right there. Hang in there. And remember Chinese bamboo. (laughs) And I think for us as a church, it's making a commitment as an individual and as a church family to make our mirror the word of God. Something we can look at and we don't forget. Listen, these messages are good and they're challenging to us. And they do make us feel a little uncomfortable. And we did wrestle with, should we really walk through the book of James? It's in the Bible. It's okay to walk through it. You're like, Jason, can't you tell me something about Jeremiah 29, 11, how God has a plans for me to prosper me and to give me a future? Yes, I can. Read the Bible and you'll find out his plans and he'll prosper you. But hear the Bible in its totality. And the last point is this. How do we respond to the Word of God? We wholeheartedly obey the Word of God. James 1.25 says this, but whoever, 
looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. So whoever looks into it and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will, have ble- they will be blessed in what they do. Another translation says they will be blessed in everything and all that they do. This phrase, look intently to the perfect law, is, is this, it's this idea of a young child. I remember when our kids, when they were little, they would walk along and kind of stumble along. When they come up to something and they, they would stop and look at it, I would see it. But man, they wanted to see it. And so what they would do, they would look intently. Oh, look at this bug. And they would get down. One t- and they'd even like, they'd just get, to, they'd even like lay on it and just look at the bug. That's what it means to look intently. So I wanted you to get that picture. I didn't lay it all the way down, first service. But there you go. You got that one. I want you to look intently into the word of God. Stop for a moment. Look into it. Take your time. For the busyness of our life, we got to take time. we got to stoop down. We need to intently spend time in the Word because it waters our soul when we study it. It's absorbed deeply into our bones. It washes away the filth of the world. It transforms our minds. It, it removes the scales from our eyes so we can see who we really are and who God really wants us to be. And we can begin to walk in that purpose and destiny. I think all of us here would say, you know what? I need more Jesus in my life. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life or you've never known Jesus, it's important that you know that if you will choose to follow him, if you will choose to look at the word of God as your mirror, is what you're supposed to look like. And you don't forget it and you make that decision. You will walk away and you will be blessed in all that you do. Also, I realized this morning that as we walk through this, that Lord, the Lord would probably reveal areas of deception in all of our lives. Areas that we have willingly said. I know that shouldn't be in my life. But I can justify it in my life. Or I want to justify it in my life. And you may be deceived today. And these words of James may have made you feel very, very uncomfortable. They may have pierced you in a way that you thought, I did not come to church. I was hoping for a Joel Osteen message. <laughs> I love Joel Osteen. I just, he's, a, he's a good brother. But you might be con- feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now. You might be sensing that in your own heart. I think it's because the Lord loves you. He doesn't want you to stay the same. I believe it's because he cares for you deeply. To take a moment this morning and even in some of these words, maybe some of those things I read off, you, you realize, yeah. Some of you might say, I know they're wrong, but I'm going to keep doing them. James says you're deceived. Some of you said, God's truth has spoken to me this morning. I want to change. If you will wholeheartedly obey the word of God, you will find this last verse to be manifested in your life, that you will be blessed in all the areas of your life. Obedience to the word of God is a gift. 
That your obedience to the response to the word of God, it can satisfy your deepest longings. It quenches the thirst of your soul. It calms your tormented, anxious spirit. The decision to obey Jesus Christ breaks the strongholds of the enemy off of your life. And you will be able to possess the future God has for you, possess the destiny that God has for you, begin to walk in true joy and peace and patience and life and perseverance and endurance. And you can live the life that you desperately want to live through the power of Jesus Christ. Obedience to the word of God, again, it is a gift. And we must read the book of James with this idea of the gospel. And without this grace of Jesus, you and I could never do it. We could never overcome it. James understood that. And we this morning, to understand again, the reason why we can live this life is because Jesus lived the life already. It's not about, again, you trying harder, which some of you have heard this morning, oh, I need to try harder. Some of you just have a natural um, just tendency to, to just condemn yourself. God doesn't want you to be condemned. This isn't about you trying harder. It's about you fixing your eyes on Jesus more. It's about you trusting him. And because he lived the life that you couldn't live, now you can live it in Christ. Because he died for the sins that haunt you and track you down and and condemn you. Because he died for that, you can live free from that. You're no longer a slave to sin. Because he rose from the dead, you can have victory over death, hell, and the grave, and the stain of sin on your life. That's what this is about. James is trying to remove the scales from our, from our eyes, not about salvation, but about you growing and living the life you desperately want to live anyway. I think all of us here would say, you know what? We need more of Jesus in our lives. Something I want you to remember in closing is this. These three things. Again, I'm on a journey. I have not arrived yet. And God is walking with me. I am on a journey. I have not arrived yet. And God is walking with me. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.